the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline on this October 5th, 2020. A gorgeous day, a wonderful day, a fabulous day out there, if I might say so myself. Glad to have you here in sunny California. Uh, We have the potential of about 7 to 11 million people uh, being able to uh, listen to this broadcast. And we are just thankful to be able to talk. One of our constitutional rights is freedom of speech. And that's what we try to do every Monday on this uh, Lifeline program. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Of course, throughout the course of the week, Mr. Craig Roberts um, maintains the helm and guides this ship into conversations and uh, topics uh, that I trust you have uh, benefited from, particularly as we are drawing nearer and closer to uh, to Election Day uh, with all of the stuff that's gone on over the last several, eight, nine, 10, 11 months. And if you wanted to, you could probably push it back a couple of years. Uh, we probably have been called upon, all of us, to really think through where we are in terms of our responsibilities as citizens, in terms of our responsibilities as professing believers, in terms of our witness, in terms of our our testimony, in terms of our commitment to uh, uh, the constitutional principles and amendments that have uh, been forged and written up, documented for our welfare, we probably are going to be facing an extremely important election this year for which it would behoove you and me to continue to exercise the privilege, the right and privilege, not necessarily the mandate, but the right and privilege of voting if you are informed. People often are asking me, should we be voting? And I said, yes, but if you are not informed, if you're not real clear on the issues, if you aren't sure what you are voting for, uh, voting in ignorance has been problematic for uh, for decades. And it's important to be informed, be clear, know what the policies are for uh, both presidents and also all of your local uh, um, all of your local, uh, if you will, propositions that are uh, on the ballot. Lots of things going on in the Oakland area, in the San Francisco, Hayward area. A lot of propositions that you're going to have to check off, mark yes or no. Uh, and it's important to know. That means coming coming short of the election, coming a few months, or if you will, before the election, you kind of want to just look over and scan the ballots and see what your politicians are up to and then make uh, the best decision that you can so that you can be helpful uh, to your community. Uh, we we had a phenomenal worship service this last Sunday at Grace in Hayward. You know, I'm the pastor of Grace Bible Church in, in Hayward, California, and we have been open. We have been worshiping. We have been uh, allowing the saints to come 
uh, at their own prerogative and behest and join us both inside and outside. We have a large enough campus to be able to do that. <clears throat> and we have had really, really, really good turnouts. I've been thankful for all of the newer visitors who are, who have decided to come and join us and people from other congregations who are not gathering. I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand why that is occurring, but whatever the case may be, I do know the people of God need to actually physically gather together and uh, worship and serve God, albeit within the framework of whatever levels of safety you feel are necessary for your own uh, care and and good. And uh, we, we've stated before for our elderly who are uh, very conscientious about COVID-19 that uh, that they should stay home. But some of them come out and uh, we, we just try to remind them that whatsoever is not a faith is sin. If you're going to come out, you got to come out by faith. If you're going to go to the store, you're going to go to the store by faith. If you're going to go to the gas station, if you're going to go shopping, you got to do that by faith. If you're going to go to work and uh, occasionally cross people's paths uh, six feet and less, you've got to do that by faith or else it's sin. Well, same thing with church. Uh, we, we come together by faith. We come together because we are eager, <clears throat> excuse me, eager to serve the Lord together and to see one another and to actually physically uh, encourage one another in each other's presence. And it's been good for us at Grace for months now. And uh, we're, we're, we're hoping that that door opens for the rest of the local churches here in the Bay Area, particularly those churches that understand the vitality of biblical exposition and the vitality of encouragement and singing and praise and worship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah, uh, just excited, excited about uh, being able to maintain that level of normalcy, if you will. Um, on another note, President Trump and his wife, also a few of his staff as well, have contracted COVID-19. I'm sure you know this. This is like the biggest news in the world right now. And, you know, originally when I heard it, uh, I wasn't surprised. I was a little bit uh, disheartened, but wasn't it, it really wasn't anything but an opportunity to recognize several things of which I want to note before we take our break. And certainly... The phone lines are open, one 367 one You are welcome to join us if you have any questions, any comments, any, uh, any uh, observations about things I've said in the past, about theological things, political things, a lot of this social uh, mayhem and, and melee and confusion that's basically uh, flooding our country right now. That won't go away uh, real soon either. Uh, we can talk about that. Be glad to answer your questions and engage you in a civil discourse uh, around what the Word of God has to say about all of this at one 367 5329 one What I thought about the president and his wife, uh, Melania, when they were found to have or discovered that they con contracted COVID-19, well, there's about seven things that began to work uh, in my mind. First, it's a great opportunity to for them to demonstrate that they are uh, human beings like the rest of us. Politics is polarizing. Politics dehumanizes us 
to a very significant extent. Politics is kind of like, again, the Wizard of Oz uh, uh, paradigm or model where there is this individual at the center of everyone's attention and he's made larger, made bigger, made more important than he really is. And then when you find out what's really going on behind the scene, what you find is just another human being. And that's true whether it's Donald Trump, uh, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton, on and on and on. They are nothing but human beings like all of our leaders are human beings full of flaws, but certainly human beings. And so COVID has shown itself to be prevalent enough to make it to the White House. No reason for fear, no reason for dismay, certainly no reason for us to turn around and say, now I wish that the president had died or would die. Um, that's completely unacceptable. That's completely uh, outside of the pale of, of respect, outside of the pale of, of any kind of biblical decorum. You've got a lot of problems, including our friend Mark, too, uh, when it comes to Miss Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You've got a lot of problems when you want someone to die as if somehow they are the devil or they are the existential threat to your life. If you're operating out of that level of anger and hostility and fear, listen, listen, you're way off base. You've missed it totally. Um, but what we can learn is, from this whole event is that COVID is highly contractive, but it's not a devastating nor as deadly as was the case earlier on. I mean, even now, the president is demonstrating a great resilience and him and uh, his wife are headed back to the White House now after being uh, under surveillance for a couple of days. Uh, and therefore, good health plays a major role in battling against COVID-19. And I will say this, you guys, it's really important to know that you're not only dealing with the real factors of the COVID virus, but you're dealing with a ton of politics, misinformation, and false narratives around it as well, which is being politicized and weaponized, whether you know it or not. Uh, and it's and it's also being used as a balloon test for more control over the American people who are giving up their sovereignty because they are scared to simply examine things and evaluate and assess, analyze, do the research and make judgments within the uh, contract, social contract of our constitutional rights. I mean, you really should be on many occasions where you hear our leaders making observations or assertions about things. Uh, COVID-19 coming from the CDC uh, over the last seven or eight months has had all kinds of uh, backwards, back and forth, yes, no, um, if you will, policies about how to deal with it. They are not inerrant and they are not always correct and they are constantly modifying. That means you really have to take your own life in, con into control when it comes to these matters. So, yeah, we have the president who is human. COVID is highly contractive, but not devastating or deadly, as was the case earlier. Uh, we have to all work on our good health, as is apparently the case with the president. He's back at it again, thankfully, because I want to see him in the second and the third debate with Joe Biden. Uh, fourthly, the therapies used to boost his immune system is one of many present and soon available 
medications to assist and to accompany the vaccines uh, that will be uh, coming out shortly. And our nation will have to embrace uh, all of that to begin to deal with a, a virus that probably won't go anywhere. But but think about what God did here. And we're going to take a break here in a moment. Think about what God did in allowing the president to contract COVID. He allowed uh, President Trump to c- contract COVID. And we have watched, haven't we, that he didn't just fall over dead. He's not paralyzed. He's not laying on on, on the deathbed. He's not on a, a respirator. Uh, he, he, he's fine. He's fine. And, and, and 95% of Americans are fine. These are the real facts about the COVID. 95% of people more recover totally and completely from the COVID uh, virus. And you and I need to know this. So this test, I believe, will work in his favor because even though political sides are quite intense and polarized, good people do not wish his death or demise. I don't want it for him. I don't want it for you. So, yeah, we can either be on the left or on the right or in the middle or above or below, wherever you are. Um, Please understand that as human beings, we have to have parameters of respect and care for one another that uh, that 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 mitigates or at least puts into context our political leanings and our differences. And I hope that you understand that. We look forward to a uh, slightly different Donald Trump in the next debate as a result of this experience. At least I'm hoping that he will be uh, a little bit more prudent and wiser in how he discourses. Because again, as much as you see it in the media, an all-out hatred and hostile, damnable uh, repulsion against President Trump, that's not true for everybody on the left. It's just not. It's just the extremist elements of the left uh, and, and, and the ones in the White House who want to get power, Nancy Pelosi and others, who are behaving in ways that uh, probably are just a little bit exaggerated, if I might say. In any event, I've got three lines open, one 367 three lines open, one 367 I'd love to hear from you new listeners. Uh, and get some first-time callers on the Monday edition of Lifeline, one 367 I'll be right back. I'll back to Lifeline. We are indeed back. The time is 5.23 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We've got three lines open. I would love to hear from you. one 367 your host, Jesse Gistan. You know how we do it. We talk a lot of different things. We talk theology, politics, counsel, advice. I'm glad to be able to exercise my constitutional rights with you. So give me a call. We've got three lines open, one 367 Michael Medved had just made a statement. He basically said, uh, we are, uh, we are, uh, we are seeking to end or get rid of racism. Well, you got a whole lot of people who are under the false assumption that that's not true. And the reason why they would fall prey to the notion that America is filled with and overrun by and permeated in a toxified way with uh, systemic racism, which is just an unscientific uh, uh, narrative, is because they want to keep it alive. That's part of the Marxist tactic. Uh, this is called the race bait game. It's been going on all my life. I mean, from the days of Martin Luther King all the way through Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and the Rainbow Coalition and, and all of the groups that they realize when you can get your hands into 
a race argument, a race argument, an argument around the flesh, because that's all this is. You can get a lot of people uh, self-righteously stirred up about a lot of nothing. It was Mr. Thomas Sowell who put it this way. He said, racism is not dead, but is kept on life support. It's kept alive mainly by the people who use it for an excuse to keep minority communities either fearful or resentful enough to turn out as a voting block on election day. He said that many years ago. And if you really think about it, if you really think about it, they are keeping racism on life support. Why? Every day it's talked about. Every day the narrative is used, largely on the left, for people who are uh, enamored about the left-right uh, dialectic, who, who don't seem to understand that there's a uh, insurmountable difference between the left narrative and right narrative. But on your left, that's all you hear people doing talking about. It's an uh, it's an it's an underlying assumption, a foregone conclusion, an a priori position that they hold that everything is a, is rooted in the problem of race. Well, they're keeping it alive because it's politically advantageous. It's economically feasible. It's just not scientifically and factually true. I've got two lines open, one 888 Let's go to line number one and talk with Jermaine in Alameda. Jermaine, my brother, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, I just kind of wanted to hear your, your opinion or critique of some things I was thinking about. But, um, you know, so, I've been keeping an eye on, on, on things uh, – as far as the whole COVID and, and political parties, but it's uh, it kind of seems like some of this stuff seems a bit orchestrated. And what I mean by that is, is the president brought up something during a debate as far as how the lockdown seemed to have a purpose as far as the mail-in votes are concerned. And the more you start investigating, the more some stuff just doesn't make any sense. And I just uh, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Do, do you think that some politicians would be diabolical enough to sacrifice people's jobs and livelihood just to get the ultimate goal, which would be, in this case, the White House? Right. So we could put that into three or four or five categories to, to discuss it if we wanted to, Jermaine, and it would take up the bulk of the hour to address in the affirmative, first and foremost. It's already factual. It's uh, it's a precedent. Um, it's a historic fact that both on the Democratic as well as the Republican side, uh, uh, voter uh, fraud it has been a problem for decades. There have been tons of uh, uh, of uh, of lawsuits as well as um, hearings in the Senate and the House around the factual evidence of fraud. You'll never hear that in the media. Uh, I'm making that mention because we already know, and President Trump was absolutely explicitly right in his debate with Joe Biden, albeit I think uh, Trump overdid it with his, uh, in, in, you know, interrupting Mr. Biden, but he was absolutely factually right about the debacle of mail-in ballots and how they have already caught people in in the district of uh a, a couple of uh, assembly women, I'll put it that way, that are clearly uh, operating out of the extreme leftist Marxist narrative, uh, cheating and signing the ballots. And, and, and I mean, t 
tens of thousands of ballots in areas like Michigan and other places. They got them on camera. They've already got them on camera as cheating. That is one area that uh, would uh, bring justification to the affirmative of your question. Uh, would politicians exercise such diabolical levels of activity just to win in an election, harming people? Why? Uh, if one cheats in their ballot, that's that's a criminal offense. That's a felony. If you if you misrepresent who you are, if you put somebody else's name on the ballot, that is a criminal offense. This issue of voting is so absolutely important that a human being can't put somebody else's name on a ballot. One extra vote can can turn an election. So that, that is a criminal behavior that politicians are aware of. It's obvious. Secondly, when you're talking about would our uh, government be inclined to engage in shutdowns uh, such as in New York and in, and, uh, in Oregon and Washington and New Jersey and, and here even in California, sadly, uh, the case is still that the, the left, uh, leftist leaders in our, in our state here, uh, Gavin Newsom, would, yes, continue to impose upon what they call the scientific uh, um, uh, scientific data that justifies keeping the state shut down to the degree that it is uh, in, in order to, to do what Joe Biden is saying, listen to the science, listen to the science, although, although that needs to be debated too, because when we listen carefully and watch carefully what they have done, in some cases they are listening to the science and in other cases they are not. But yes, it would be altogether my view that as much as possible, they would want to keep it shut down so that they can reinforce the allegation and assertion that the whole problem here, Jermaine, is on the shoulders of Donald Trump. You already saw that card played explicitly, repetitively, ad nauseum by Joe Biden. He had no intentions in that first debate to actually explain any kind of tangible, concrete plan that he has. I mean, tangible, concrete plan that he has for getting the nation uh, back on track to whatever degree we need to do that. Um, basically, his whole purpose there was to expose Donald Trump as the abject, abject failure and grounds for all of the horror and misery from, um, you know, from, from, from air pollution, uh, global warming, to COVID-19, all the way down to a failed administration and a, a, a uh, economy that's falling apart. All of that terminology really is what is called patronizing ignorant people who are thinking with their emotions and not really operating according to the statistical facts that are out there. So one of the challenges that Trump had, Jermaine, was that he he had to do more uh, defensive argument arguing with Joe Biden than he really needed to do. He felt like he had to kind of get all that out there because he knew lots of people were watching. He really didn't have to do it like that, but he felt like he did. And, and, and I understand that it was not as, as well thought out by his team. He should have listened to some people and, and kind of reined in his, um, his if ands and buts and his interruption of, of Joe Biden because he had significant points that if he had allowed a little space between what he stated and give Joe Biden room to respond, he would have had much more of an impact on the ears of those that are listening. So I say all this to say, absolutely, my observation of politics 
over the last uh, 40 years that I have been observing it, Jermaine, is that we are getting worse at it. We are getting more desperate at it. We are being more diabolical with it. And there are clear divisions in the media that are so obviously political that we no longer have what is called a neutral media voice. They're not just stating the facts. They are tag-teaming for their plantation master. On the side of the right, they're tag-teaming with Trump. You can hear it with... uh, with uh, Fox News and Sean Hannity and and Laura Ingram and all the rest of them. They will say good things are factual things. Yes, we know that. But they also are clearly advocating for Trump. So it's no longer just getting neutral news out there. on uh, On the objective news, rather. And on the left, it's even more rhetorical, empty, uh, inflammatory, distorted, uh, wrong in many in many cases, but because we don't have a context where these matters can be debated and proof can be brought to the table, then it's left up to you and me to do our own research to determine what we are hearing and what constitutes what is right. Um, I'll give you the, the final word before we take a break. Well, yeah, I agree with everything you said, and um, I, I think what I saw this weekend kind of set things up for me when uh, he came down with COVID. I, I think that the left kind of played themselves into a hole. And, and again, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm not on left or right, but I'm just observing sure. strategy sure. taking place sure. in public. And uh, they're in a position now where they can't say anything negative really without going overboard. And then when he subsequently gets better, it destroys their entire narrative. And if he demands to have a second debate, then he looks that much stronger which plays into everything you just said. Like a lot of this has been orchestrated for a purpose. Yeah. Purpose failed. And, and uh, as you've been teaching, politics is absolutely a beast. So yep. this just pushes me more towards Christ. And I'm, I'm happy with that. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, the tension that we want to operate out of, I'm going to let you go here in a moment, but the tension we want to operate out of, and I would say that to all, <clears throat> all 330 million people and certainly the 200 million that have the right to vote and of the 100 million that will actually vote out of our 330 million uh, American uh, uh, American people, uh, I would say this, that as Christians, we operate from a transcendent level of biblical righteousness. That's our ethics. That's our moral. That's our parameter. That's our litmus test, etc. And we vote for the person that most represents Jesus. That's how you do it. Whether left or right, you have to ask yourself whether or not your policies, I mean, your preferences correspond with the word of the living God. We're not going to get perfect people, but we can advocate for a kind of right Uh, thinking and right living and right being that corresponds with the righteousness of God's word. And I think that that's the best that we can do. So thank you for your call. I got to take a hard break when I come back. um, I'll I'll deal with Mark and Walnut Creek, but I've got three lines open. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, one, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. I'll be right back. This report is sponsored. All right, we're back. Um, the time is 541 in this first hour. One more segment to go before we go into hour two. And I am, again, calling on you to join me on this Monday edition of Lifeline. The number is one 888 367 
347-529-3675-329. We can expand the subject to any direction you want to. I'd love to uh, talk about theology, love to talk about worldviews, love to talk about um, a social issue, love to give you some counsel if you're struggling in a particular area. Love to hear those of you who disagree with me. Uh, love to hear how you can uh, justify the, the the platform and agenda and methodology of the left. I'd love for you to do that. one 367 We have a free country and we have an opportunity to actually talk these things through. Uh, there are good things on the left, not a whole lot, but some. Uh, and there's some good things on the right. A lot of things that are bad on both sides. This is what Jermaine was saying. He's not a leftist or a rightist. I get that. I totally do. I get that. I really do try to operate from a biblical standpoint personally. And uh, after weighing both uh, both platforms, obviously and objectively, uh, it becomes pretty clear the the side that leans much more to a biblically approved policy orientation. And, and again, I'm opening up the floor for anyone who would want to lay out the left policies and tell me how they honor God and how they correspond with Scripture. And you're free to uh, to lay out the right policies and demonstrate how they do not honor God and how they do not correspond with Scripture. Love to hear from you. one 367 All the lines are open. Let's go to line two and talk with Mark in Walnut Creek. Mark, are you there? Yeah, I'm yeah, here. How are you? Yeah, I just had a question Concerning the sermon, because I listened to it online this weekend, uh, you talked about the mark of the beast, and it's an yes, act sir. of worship. Yep. And the struggle I have with it is, what do you do when they actually want to give, I mean, they're talking about a microneater of patch yep. vaccine sort of mark, and I've told my kids, hey, don't take that, and um, that the technology is moving in that direction. So what do you do with that if you're confronted with that still? I, I mean, yeah, no, great, no, great topic, man. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad you brought it up. I, you know, I'm dealing with that. And we, we're just turning the corner into Revelation chapter 14 and 15. But I'm dealing with that. Um, do you understand, uh, Mark, the difference between an exegetical approach to a text of Scripture and, uh, and possible applications of it? You understand the difference between that notion? I'm learning it from you. <laughs> okay, cool. Great, great, great. So let's talk about it. So what I would never do, because I grew up in the 60s and 70s with Hal Lindsey and Tim LaHaye and a lot of these guys that are futurists, as you are hearing me plainly say, I'm not a premillennial dispensationalist. There are a ton of problems with it um, that I hope that will be brought to the floor in, in reasonable and rational debates with some of our uh, best proponents of it. But it's filled with all kinds of hype, uh, newspaper and speculative political uh, terminology that has failed over and over again when they try to isolate passages of Scripture and uh, employ them in our present geopolitical framework. And, uh, and one passage just that I just won't give the the uh, the uh, millennial, premillennialist or dispensationalist, that's a better view, not so much the premillennialist, but the dispensational premillennialists who are um, uh, advocating a kind of a neo uh, Israel or Jewish-centered eschatology. That's the fundamental problem with that, that, that framework that they impose upon the scriptures. 
history has proven that the issue of the number and the mark and the name of the beast is not to be understood as you and I being concerned about uh, identity markers, whether it's a social security card or a credit card or, um, or a driver's license um, or a birth certificate or even a, um, a passport. All of those mark were interpretations that were employed out of fear and out of a lack of sound exegetical approach to the text there. And then they, people began to say the mark of the beast has something to do with numbers. It doesn't have anything to do with numbers at all. It has to do with the meaning or significance of the number that was contextual to that time. And it was the number of the name evaluated in that context. In that context, it was neither. Vespasian, Titus, and Domitian. Uh, the early church fathers carried it into the future on an application basis. I talked to you guys about that. The uh, reformers and um, and then uh, some of the evangelicals, the reformers would have nailed the popes and they were not only uh, interpreting the beast and the false prophet as being the pope in its allegiance with the state. And I have utter sympathy for that interpretation, quite frankly, on a historical level. The problem is that exegetically, you are not going to have a sound correlation between the mark of the beast being received as being you and I uh, being told that we have to have a vaccine to live or we have to have a chip for identity uh, so that they can you know, uh, maintain surveillance or uh, be in control of, of the population relative to uh, to where we are and whether or not we are lost, et cetera, et cetera. All those things are going to happen. They will occur. But if you remember what I stated, Mark, I made mention of the fact that what's going on in Revelation 13 is heart allegiance to the deceptive work of the politics combined with religion to tell the people and demand on pain of death that they worship the beast and duplicate his image and spread that image abroad and that they could not buy or sell in conjunction with worship and uh, duplication and replication of the beast. They could not buy and sell without receiving the number or the name or the worship of the one who bears the number of the name. And that is not what's going on in the context in which, and by the way, Christians didn't do it and for that they were killed. They wouldn't burn incense to, to Nero. They wouldn't burn incense to Vespasian or Titus or Domitian. They wouldn't burn incense to Diocletian. They wouldn't burn incense to, to Hadrian or, uh, or, or any or Trajan, which was the fourth head that comes up in around uh, AD 117, because they would not be uh, inclined to demonstrate an external worship of another god. So now when they come to us, I'm talking about the people with the vaccines and the people with the coded chips and all of the other information that's coming down the line. When they come to you and me, Mark, and they say, unless you bow down and call the state God, unless you worship the state as your only savior and then therefore receive this chip or receive this vaccine or whatever other means by which the world will operate in the technology that will bring about some kind of accountability for every human being on the planet, uh, at that point, the Christian will say no. 
they will have to say no because at that point what the state is asking for is worship in this context what the state will be asking for is cooperation for different measures whether it's vaccines in order for us to be able to uh be healthy and uh and careful with one another um, or chips in order for them to be able to more efficiently and effectively monitor your body for sicknesses and illnesses, which is what's being proffered there. You and I talked about it on Sunday. Uh, we're moving from homo sapien to homo deus, and I know that there are a number of problems with that whole movement. Mark, I am absolutely sure there are a number of problems with it, but it does not correspond to the mark or number of the name in the context of being forced to worship and replicate uh, the image of the beast uh, uh, as part of those who are of the world. Because the judgments that are coming down in chapter 16, we're already dealing with the bold judgments, are designed specifically for people who worship this world, who bow to Satan, who commit themselves to this planet and all of its agenda as if it's God. They are the ones, having rejected the gospel, that will experience the wrath of God. Uh, not God's elect who trust in Christ and live for his glory, though we have to negotiate a number of these world worldly issues. Listen, you hold on, Mark. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm going to take a break, pay some bills. We'll come back and expand this topic a little bit more. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. We've got a couple of lines open if you want to join our conversation and uh, add to the dialogue. one 367 one Let's go back to Mark on line two in Walnut Creek. So, Mark, what, what, how, how would you... Uh, how would you advance well, this, this discussion? There's a lot There's a lot of talk about a, a great reset. And when they have the great reset, the currency goes to zero. Everybody's wealth goes to zero. Right. And that's when they want to bring out the patch. as a micro-needroid patch sure. that's like a vaccine. goes in your palm. It gives you a unique number and supposedly changes your DNA. It works with the 5G. And Bill Gates has a patent, 060606. It's already did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically an act of worship to the beast system that they want to put in place. It's no, a, it's not. So, that's not an well, act I mean, of worship. <clears throat> Let's talk that through. Let's talk okay. that through. Now, I, I know that information just as well as you. I'm concerned about it, too. I, I'm, I'm concerned about it, too. So I, and I get all the data. I've been getting it for years. And I, okay. I do try to, I try to tell the saints to be careful about the information because what, what you and I are obligated to do as people of God is vet the information and then make sure that we are using credibly credible and knowledgeable people who can actually address the scientific factors, the allegations, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, um, quite a few people are are aware of some of the stuff that you're talking about uh, going down. I, I think that God will be gracious enough to reveal the diabolical nature of any kind of wholesale agenda of um, uh, just in, in one fell swoop uh, changing our our, our, our system of, of economics and monetary system into a cashless system overnight. I think that that will take some time. On top of that, um, I, I, again, I would ask, how do how does a, uh, even if we are moving into a new system of economics, because I told you that's exactly how people were panicking 
and and struggling when we move from from uh, trading goods with coins and and and, and bronze and and silver and gold. Uh, when we moved into the cash system, once we went into the to the uh, to the debt currency system of the dollar bill and the five dollar bill, et cetera, all the way up to uh, I guess thousands of dollar bills that you can print out, people were uh, swearing that that was the antichrist emerging, and and this has been now hundreds of years, at least a hundred or so years uh, since that kind of new currency. Uh, worldwide currency has been employed and and the saints have been worshiping have been serving God and have been engaging in a world affairs and have taken vaccines because of the different plagues that we have uh, incurred over the last 150 years and have also more than that when we think about Europe and have also engaged in commerce and business and the like and 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 and, and we didn't fall apart and we didn't go apostate going apostate falling apart worshiping the beast has everything to do with the heart being yielded to it as central, deified, and worthy of our absolute servitude as God. The, 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 the issues of which you and I are speaking are simply civil rights issues and, and constitutional rights issues that we're going to have to fight against. Our government should not be free to impose upon you or me or any of us uh, experiments that become mandated by law or else. Now that that becomes that's going to become the very context, Mark, for which you're going to see all kinds of free men and women rise up and oppose our go government when they start to do that. Think for a moment, and again, I'm give you the last word on this, uh, Brother John MacArthur. I'm really appreciating what he's doing by standing up to Governor Newsom because he re he recognizes the fictitious components in this COVID thing, as I and Jermaine were discussing before your time with me. He recognizes some of the fictitious components in it and some of the um, agenda that's going on in our nation to just kind of control and curtail and limit our rights. And he's standing up and opposing it. Now, there are not a lot of churches doing that, and that's sad, but uh, but John is spearheading that and winning that battle, and we'll be doing exactly that when you start hearing the media or the government talking about these are mandated policies absolutely to be taken or else you can't survive, can't drive, can't do this, can't do that. You're going to see all kinds of debates and discussions and protests, and it, 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 it will be clear to us when we are in that space and time where we need to exercise our freedoms and rights before God. So I don't think you have to worry about it being just forced upon us and everybody capitulating all at once. Well, it's more like they're going to totally reset everything. So it's like it will be your currency, this mark, and that's what they want anyway. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but they if you look at the – Global world leaders, they all talk about a great currency reset where they reset the debt so that the, I agree. everybody's on I, the same – and they want to come up with some sort of new way to do commerce. Exactly. So but this has been – I agree with you. I, that conversation has been going on for a long time. That conversation has yeah. been going on for decades. But it, yeah. what they want to do and what's going to be done and how it's going to be done is two different things. Like these, like these people on the left – who are trying to push in Marxism, and they thought that they could just bully people and and uh, you know get get my African American brothers uh, ignorantly on the bandwagon, which 
It's only a percentage of them falling prey to this neo-Marxist uh, cultural revolution. Only a handful of them are. Most of the uh, most of the uh, African Americans in America are waking up to it and realizing that they bought into a hoax. Um, same thing is going to happen when 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 the when the government starts to push things that are going to require debate, discussion, dialogue, and in some cases protests. We'll see. We'll see. But listen, I'm glad you, you I'm glad you called. And I, I want to encourage you, man, to, uh, you know, keep 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 looking to Christ and hold on to the reality of the gospel. You'll be OK. You'll be OK. Well, I got to take articulate my kids right, you know, accurately, too. I, I don't want to le- mislead anybody, you know, I'm 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 with you. And I and I, I we're free to uh, vent and discuss our concerns as you are doing. And I want you to. I don't want to stick in our head in the sand. I don't want us ignorant. One of the reasons why this social justice movement has hit the church so hard and wobbled them to their knees is because Christians haven't been serious either about social events, world events, politics, worldviews, or their Bibles. And so they've just been kind of hit with uh, this new agenda, and uh, they're, they're, they're not recovering well in many cases. We're going to have to wake up to the reality of the complexity of this mystery of iniquity that we are part of in this world. Thanks for the call, man. I got to pay a bunch of bills when I come back. Pam, you and I can uh, have a conversation. Let's see here. I don't know if I have anybody else on. All three lines are open. one 367 Give me a call. I'll be right back.